Hi, Bruno Jr. here. Our podcast, Busting Addiction and Smiths, is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com. SafeHouse believes that traditional treatments fall short of the needs of clients who face the modern problems of addiction. Modern problems need modern solutions. Multiple addictions, multiple relapses, multiple triggers, and cheaper and more powerful street drugs set up unprecedented challenges facing treatment centers. What is needed is a more sophisticated approach, a better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process. Two, technology proven to enhance recovery. And three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. Hitting Bottom is BS, Part 2. This is Part 2 of Hitting Bottom and why the thinking that surrounds it is misguided, outdated, and ultimately dangerous. Much of what I relate to you today comes from Deborah J's new book, No More Letting Go. Addiction does not make sense. Addiction is a cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. Families can't make sense of behavior that just does not inherently make sense. Addicts and alcoholics can't explain why they've sabotaged their chances at a career or alienated perfectly normal and loving girlfriends or husbands or abused and neglected innocent children. But untreated addicts can't learn a better way because addiction keeps tightening its grip, demanding complete allegiance. Here's an amazing insight from the Apostle Paul, my favorite apostle because he was just so damn smart and articulate. Miss J says that he could have been describing an addict when he said the following, I do not understand my own behavior. I do not act as I mean to, but I do things that I hate. Though the will to do what is good is within me, the, the good that I want to do, I never do. The evil thing which I do not want, that is what I do. Detachment is not inaction. So now we come to a common misperception that is the source of much misery, and unnecessarily so. It's the conflation of detachment with inaction. When we read about detachment in the context of recovery, the advice is primarily about taking care of ourselves, ceasing our attempts to force others to do what they don't want to do, letting go of our need to control, setting people free to do as they choose, minding our own business, and finding some peace for ourselves. That's all well and good under most circumstances. But when we are faced with the uncompromising and relentless addiction of someone we love, we need a plan that is A, proactive, and B, gets decisive results. Deborah J. maintains that detachment is not a synonym for inaction. Rather, it is a spiritual quality that makes action possible. Detachment is power. It means that you are not sucked into the movie. You are standing back just enough to be able to watch it and judge it for what it is. Drama you don't need to be part of, not anymore. Detachment, according to Kathleen Norris in her own book, Amazing Grace, is a healthy engagement with the world and other people. She, she goes on to say, this sort of detachment is neither passive nor remote, but paradoxically is fully engaged with the world. And the bottom line is this. It is not resignation, but a vigilance that allows a person to recognize that whatever comes is a gift from God. Imagine that, an academic evidence-based researcher who discovered that whatever comes with acceptance and detachment should be viewed as a gift from God. Pretty amazing, isn't it?
So why is this so important to note at this time? Attitude and the quality of your life. Let's talk about that. I can conclude, based on the struggles of the families who are faced with addiction in their own homes, that the quality of one's life is largely dependent on one's attitude to the world and its people, what the German philosophers called Weltanschauung, or worldview. If you see the world as hostile, what will your attitude be? Afraid and angry? If you see the world and its people as benign, what would your attitude be? Forgiving and kind? This is important stuff. If you thought philosophy was only for academics and professors in some esoteric discipline, you are categorically mistaken. Your current state of distress presents the perfect opportunity to do some healthy self-examination. Has the presence of addiction in my home and family shifted my thinking from optimistic to cynical? And do I even notice? Detachment means freedom and right action. Deborah J. finds the following. The spiritual tradition of Buddhism defines detachment as freeing oneself from the preconceived preconceived ideas that influence action. It teaches that detachment is the coming together of compassion and objectivity. And from this comes clarity of insight, which allows us to relieve the suffering of others while we simultaneously preserve dignity and justice. That perfectly describes how we want to approach the problem of a loved one's addiction. This is radical new thinking that busts the old myth of letting go and letting God and doing nothing. Change the page. Turn the page. We're all familiar with the serenity prayer which states, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So when we hear the slogan, let go and let God, the question rarely asked is, let go of what? The essential principle of the slogan is that nowhere in the real meaning of letting go are we absolved of our responsibility. The essential principle of the slogan is to let go of things we are powerless over, not the things we have the power to change. Therein lies the wisdom to know the difference. Do we really seek the wisdom? Are we prepared to take action that is hard, uncomfortable, challenging, stressful? Or do we just sit back and say, well, there's nothing I can do about that? when there might be. The problem is that we do not take the time to reflect on what is possible. Perhaps we no longer can tell the difference between what we can and cannot do, and we haven't tried to tell the difference. So here's the principle of learned helplessness. I have occasionally heard the term learned helplessness, but did not understand where it came from and what the larger meaning of it is until just recently. In simple terms, learned helplessness is a state of mind that arises from being conditioned that can't do anything to change your circumstances, either because you have tried many times and nothing has worked, or you grew up in an environment of passivity and cynicism. Learned helplessness is a conditioned response that ultimately does not match up to what is genuinely possible if one is truly thoughtful about the options. Getting beyond it, getting beyond learned helplessness. A truer sense of let go and let God is summed up by Molly Wolf in her book, A Place Like Any Other, Sabbath Blessings. This is what she says. The healthy people I know, the ones I respect, seem to allow themselves to be less than fully certain without being paralyzed. They are honest about having their fears, but they also face them without running away. They haven't got the easy answers, but they are willing to go ahead the best they can. They are prepared to put a lot of effort and pain into making decisions 
while paradoxically trusting that in God's hands and in God's time it will all come out right. Declaring that a loved one's addiction isn't our business is a form of self-deception. Like it or not, we are indeed involved if what the addict does affects our lives in any major way. Addiction has immense power over us, yet we do not want to acknowledge it due to the shame that comes with it. A disorder that has such a stigma attached to it wields power like a club. We fear speaking the truth. That is the effect of the disease. And now we take it on. That said, our ignorance is the primary factor. Deborah J. says that the primary reason that families do not take action is that they don't know what to do. Now, how is that for a lightning bolt insight? The answer cannot be left to the addict, for at this point his addiction is in charge, and he has lost the capacity for rational thinking. The adults in the room can make decisions for the addict that benefit the entire family without depriving the addict or alcoholic of the responsibility for taking the right action. Make it a moral issue. Fear and ignorance are the enemy when it comes to taking action or not. We have to ask ourselves this. Am I willing to stand by and look the other way even when my life has been battered by addiction? Or do I have the guts to stand up, speak the truth, and work with others in my family to do the right thing? The question to myself is, am I acting out of fear or out of courage? Out of anger or out of love? This is where prayer comes in, I kid you not. When we finally decide to talk about addiction in our own family, you open the windows and let in the light. Doors swing open to new ideas. Our higher power leads us to making good, honorable, and compassionate decisions. Our podcast is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at SafeHouseRehab.com.